0: Good morning. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I've got the opportunity to do something uh, I think is, is kind of cool this morning. Um, my sister-in-law, uh, Michaela, sent sent me some questions she's been wondering about in the Ten Commandments and uh, how the Ten Commandments relate to the New Testament. Uh, does Jesus talk about the Ten Commandments? Uh, what about a specific commandment in the Ten Commandments of uh, misusing Uh, the name of the Lord. So I want to answer those questions. This has been a really cool season uh, since about Christmas. Uh, My brother-in-law, sister-in-law, Michaela and her husband Jake have been sending questions every now and then they have as things pop up in the scripture. And um, I'm really enjoying the opportunity I have just to walk through scripture with them and answer those questions. Stuff from Revelation to bits and pieces of the stories in the Gospels to questions like this one about the Ten Commandments. So, I want to do a couple of things uh, as we jump into this. Number one, uh, just a reminder, I have a couple episodes, or at least one, I think, uh, earlier on in talking about Jesus and the law. How does Jesus treat the law? Where I, I sort of really deal with the big picture and the big scope, but I want to answer these specific questions to the Ten Commandments because I think they're important. Um, and <clears throat> second, um, her her questions about the Ten Commandments are um they're, they're they're common questions Christians ask, and I don't know that we always get um, clarity or Um, a way to think about how we process the Ten Commandments and other bits of the Old Testament law as we come across it in a way that really helps us uh, understand what is binding on us as Christians and what we should be paying attention to um, as far as what's in the law and and what God is asking of people who would would follow Him. So, her questions about the Ten Commandments... uh, She said, talk to me about the Ten Commandments. Are are they relevant in the New Testament? Uh, And the answer to that question is a simple yes. We'll explain how they're relevant in just a second. Um, Does Jesus talk about them? Yes, Jesus talks about these commandments. And um, what's the deal with misusing the name of God? Uh, The commandment in reference is, uh, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. And so we'll talk about that specific case here in a second. Just as a refresher, remember that the, the Old Covenant law, the, the Mosaic law, seems to have two types of law involved. Uh, first is what we call um, descriptive law. Descriptive law, often you'll hear it talked about in terms of culture and ceremony. Uh, it's law that seems to be about distinguishing the people from the people that live around them or is related to a ceremonial or ritual practice connected to worship in the temple. And for the most part, we believe uh, those commandments have sort of fallen to the wayside because they've been fulfilled in Jesus. Fallen to the wayside is really, really bad vocabulary. Those commandments have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And because of their cultural and ceremonial function, fulfilled in Christ, they're not binding on Christians anymore like Jesus in Mark chapter 7, uh, sort of declaring all foods clean. <clears throat> the vision of the sheet that descends from heaven uh, for the Apostle Peter in the book of Acts. And uh, all foods have been made clean <clears throat> in Mark. They've been declared clean in the book of Acts as kind of a example to Peter that the foods are clean, so too are <clears throat> the Gentile believers coming to faith. And he's about to go to Cornelius' house and sort of see that firsthand. But, um, so this descriptive law, cultural or ceremonial practices, things that describe the way we live uh, as distinct and different from among the people groups around us. In the New Testament, that kind of ceremonial or cultural practice seems to boil down to what, what John talks about as being known by our love one for another. And so um, the way we we care for people, the way we look look after one another, the way we um, support and take care of the poor or the disenfranchised or um, help when help is needed among any of these or all of these different groups of people, uh, these are some of the things that we are talking about. And uh, those things now seem to be, hey, these are the demarcators. It's not ethical or not ethical sorry it's it's not ethnic anymore uh there isn't an ethnic demarcation um, like the practice of circumcision the the practice and the the demarcation of the people of god is things like the fruit of the spirit is things like uh, loving god and and loving neighbor so much so that we take care of the poor and the disenfranchised and the widow and the orphan and the outcast and the marginalized. So, that that's that piece in that transition. And Jesus speaks to that um, quite a bit. You know, be, being salt and light, and the way we live out our piety, and you know, not not giving or praying or um, living our religious lives in such a way as to be seen and noticed by people. This is sort of a, a cultural and ceremonial thing. On the other hand, things like the Ten Commandments, for the most part, there might be one. Um, off the top of my head of the 10 that wouldn't fall into this category are what we call moral or uh, prescriptive commands. And moral or prescriptive commandments are those that have some core piece to the character of God or um, some violation of the created uh, the created order or the created way, or um, God's design or intention. And when we think about these commandments, uh, we focus on their moral significance. There's something about the commandment that remains relevant in a, this is how we live moral and ethical lives that honor God because of his character and because of who he is. Um, So those things have relevance for us today. So the Ten Commandments, um, no other gods before the Lord number one. Two, no idolatry. Um, We can talk about things like uh, honoring your parents and we can talk about things like uh, not committing adultery or murder, not bearing false witness. Uh, All of these have a kind of moral component to them. Um, It it violates the design of Genesis 1 and 2 in creation and in what seems to be the new creation um, to have this issue with committing adultery. And so Jesus takes a, a pretty hard stance on that in the Gospels. And, you know, Paul encourages people who lead the church to be a husband of one wife, yeah, not multiple, just one. Um, we we see the images of the New Jerusalem at the end of the book of Revelation as as the bride for the groom. And we've been talking about this in Ephesians. Christ is the head, we are the body. There's a union with Christ. And so this new creation, this re-creation language is picking up on some of that, that foundation that was laid down in creation itself. And so uh, creation and new creation people seem to be people of a of marriage that has this fidelity and this faithfulness to it. And so there's a, there's a moral prohibition against adultery and that is maintained. The, is it relevant in the church? It's absolutely relevant in the church. Paul says husband of one wife, uh, Paul and Jesus Um, Both address issues of divorce and what that means and um, living a life that's sexually appropriate. Paul uh, talks about that heavily in in letters like the first Corinthian letter because it's apparently an issue for the first Corinthian church. Um, Jesus says in um, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, don't You've heard it said, "Don't commit adultery." I tell you, if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And so He intensifies the commandment there by making it a matter of the heart, not just an outward behavior. Jesus does the same thing with murder. By the way, you've heard it said, "Don't murder," but I tell you, if you're angry with your brother and you lash out at him, and He describes what that looks like in that in that passage, then it's the same thing as having committed murder. And so we're we're looking at situations and scenarios in in the Gospels where Jesus takes an existing commandment from the Old. Testament, and, and specifically from the Ten Commandments, and, and he takes that moral piece and that moral component, and he, and he highlights it, and he intensifies it, and, and it becomes something that's more relevant, that becomes more poignant, that becomes, in some sense, harder to manage, because now it's not just about managing an outward behavior. And really, if we're honest, the Ten Commandments weren't about managing an outward behavior. They were intended to be reminders of what had to be going on in the heart. And so Jesus is picking that back up. So are, are they relevant in the New Testament? Absolutely. A- absolutely. The Ten Commandments are relevant in the New Testament. Um, does Jesus talk about them? Yes. Yes, he does. And the, the, I think the rule of thumb here is we, is we pay attention to what Jesus teaches, because he may not do it overtly or directly, is to pay attention to things like, is there some sort of lasting principle that matters to us as a, as a moral component of... We, we, we can't um, commit adultery and say that we are living patterned after the example of Jesus Christ and the character of God. We can't commit murder in the way that Jesus talks about it or the way the Ten Commandments talk about it and be people who are um, living like the character of God matters in their lives. We can't fill in the blank. So... Um, For Jesus, the the most important commandments are to to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and uh, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, if you do these, then the whole thing, the whole rest of the law will be fulfilled in those commandments. Uh, And I think that's our guidepost for how Jesus frames the way we look at and keep the 10 commandments and the old covenant law. Um, If I can say, doing this isn't loving God or isn't loving my neighbor, then there's a moral prohibition against that particular command. Um, Jesus takes the two cases specifically in the Sermon on the Mount of adultery and murder, so I'll take them. Um, we, we cannot love neighbor in committing murder or adultery. We don't love anybody in that. Our culture has that sort of twisted and, and and backwards when it comes to adultery, right? We, we've fallen out of love with our spouse and we've fallen in love with this new person and it's all this romantic hoopla. But really what we're talking about, that's that's not love as the gospel lays that out, as the scripture lays that out, as, as the character of God and the example of Jesus Christ lay that out. So we got to be careful about that. Um, the loving God peace and the loving neighbor peace, I think, is really the best guidepost. Um, when we love God and love neighbor, we, we don't worship something that isn't God. When we love God and neighbor, we don't commit idolatry. When we love God and neighbor, uh, we don't murder or steal. We don't bear false witness, not just because it's telling a lie, but because it subverts justice and what is right and good for everyone involved. And so that, that honesty in not bearing false witness has not just an honesty component to it, it has a justice component to it. And, and Jesus um, is about that. And, and, and that. and that's part of what Jesus is doing. He doesn't bear false witness in his example. Uh, he, he may not answer everything, but he doesn't, well, he doesn't subvert justice in the process. And that, I think, is critically important. Um, I think the only one of the Ten Commandments that might be a bit of an interesting case would be something like the Sabbath. Uh, Is the Sabbath day and Sabbath observance, as we see it outlined in First Testament law, is it still morally relevant? Was it ever morally relevant? Um, And that, I think, is a valid question, and I think that's debated. Uh, today, the vast majority of Christians would look at the Sabbath and keeping Sabbath as a as a thing that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He ushered in the seventh day rest, finished the work of God um, in salvation and redemption, and uh, and now, as, as Hebrews says, right, we strive to enter that rest. And so, uh, the Sabbath has taken on a bit of a different kind of significance. So do we need Sabbath observance like we have in the, in the scripture? And, and plenty of people say, I, I don't think so. I think Jesus fulfills that, like he fulfills dietary law, or like he fulfills these other components. And so now we end up in a situation where there's a principle that we apply, like we, we, we talk about all the time as Christians, quote, getting Sabbath, getting rest. And we apply the principle of rest, but not necessarily the Sabbath observance maybe that's a cultural phenomenon, it's something we've sort of drifted from. Uh, but I remember uh, my grandfather took seriously the commandment uh, to keep Sabbath and, and was very careful about what he did and having Sabbath on Sunday. And, and these were things we did on Sunday and these were things we didn't do on Sunday because he wanted to be intentional about resting like the Scripture commanded. Okay, so uh, I think the Sabbath is one we, we can maybe talk about. Um, but yeah, Jesus is concerned. Uh, he, he pokes at the Pharisees and Sadducees with the idea of honoring your mother and your father. And, and he criticizes them for what they've done with the commandment to honor mother and father. And he says, that you, you, you say that somebody who's going to give something to the Lord doesn't have to honor their mother and their father and take care of them anymore. And that's not what God intended in the commandment to honor your, your mother and your father. So you can't, you can't do that. Jesus takes the Ten Commandments very seriously Jesus is also giving us a new light on those Ten Commandments as he gives us the example of what that looks like. He takes care of his mother in the Gospel of John while he's dying on the cross. It's honoring his parents. Um, he's intentional about uh, the way we uh, uphold truth and what is right and what is just and what is good, and he's intentional about the way we care for one another, and that's the I think, a lot of what the Ten Commandments are primarily concerned with. Uh, this is this is how we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's how we love our neighbor as ourself. And so the Ten Commandments give us practical ways that we do that, and, th- and they give us moral instruction for how we do that. Her specific question, um, what is this business about misusing the name of the Lord or uh, some of our other translations in the scripture will say do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain um the Hebrew phrase there means don't use the name of God for an empty purpose um Jewish Christians uh, Jesus seems to fall into this category in heavily Jewish contexts in the Gospel of Matthew he talks about the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of God he talks about our father in heaven instead of making reference to God directly um There seems to be something going on with this use of God or use of the name of God that Jesus seems to be attentive to in uh, the gospel of of Matthew, especially. Uh, And perhaps this is exacerbated because Matthew is a Jewish individual who followed a Jewish rabbi, the Jewish Messiah, who, who is then writing to a Jewish audience. So it's sort of a perfect storm in that sense, but don't use the name of the Lord, your God, for any empty purpose. Um, so, exclamatory phrases would get ruled out. Um, perhaps the the Jews took it seriously enough to say there there's a way to talk and there is a way to not talk, and when, when they copied the scripture um, and when they read the scripture, the name of the Lord was in the text, but but you would read, because they, they put it in there as well, the title, Adonai, Lord, instead of reading the name of God. And, and this was critically important for them uh, because they didn't want to misuse the name by accident. This, this is perhaps something I think Christians should, should probably be a little bit more attentive to as we consider what James tells us when he um, talks about being in control of our tongue. And so, uh, what does it mean to misuse the name of the Lord? I, I think we, just, we, in general, we'll, we'll start with this. I, I, in general, I think we need to be careful about what we say and how we say it. Um, I think cavalier phrases right oh my god or dear lord or um, things like that uh, we, we need to be we need to be cognizant of be aware of um, <clears throat> I I think James is probably the best place in the New Testament to think about this particular command of, of not misusing the name of the Lord. And, and I really do think it, it as a starting point, it, it has to do with being in control of our speech. As a secondary starting point, or, or sorry, as a, as a second point in this, I, I think it really has to do with, does what we say honor and glorify God? And the way that we talk about God, uh, do, do we really give reverence to... God, and all that God is. Um, there are uh, groups of, of Jews and groups of uh, Messianic Jews who won't set the Scripture underneath anything. The Scripture always is, is rested on top of whatever um, set of books they, they happen to have with them. Or it's always carried in, and set in a Uh, designated space where it's cared for, where it's looked after, where it's protected, where it's it's put in a place of honor. And I think that's a a sort of case for how we can consider this commandment of not misusing the name of the Lord. Um, the, The basic gist of it is we need to be careful about how we talk about God. Does what we say about God reflect the truth of what is what is in scripture or the truth of the character and the nature of God or the truth of who God is and what God is as totally transcendent and awesome and uh, the almighty creator of the universe or are we a bit cavalier with the way that we talk about God, with the way that we involve God in our speech and the, the commandment I think relates back to that um, no other gods before me and no idols, in the sense of we we don't have we, we don't worship things that aren't God. But when, but when we consider God, we don't treat, talk about, or approach God in an in a posture that isn't worship. Everything we do that relates back to God should always be done in a, in a posture that's intimate and awesome that's reverent and relational. And so I think this commandment about not misusing his name is about um, being intentional and being careful and being um, in step with the reality of who God is as we talk to and about God. I hope that helps. I, I know it at 20 minutes, it's a, it's a bit long, but um, these questions are really uh, weighty questions and, and they matter for us. Uh, they're, they're important questions to ask. And so um, I hope uh, questions like this continue to come and uh, I can continue to help provide some, some clarity there. Um, the Ten Commandments are important. The Ten Commandments are relevant to the New Testament. Jesus speaks to them and about them Um, And on our dividing line, it really is, uh, is there a moral component? Is there an abiding component that upholds the character and nature of God? And if so, then we pay attention to how we should do that today. And that how we do that today is probably an episode for another time. I hope you guys are having a good day, and we'll talk soon the next time we're on the podcast.